And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Forum Club. I am your co-host, Jovan Buha, joined by my other co-host, Bill Oram. Bill, how was your New Year's Eve? It was good, Jovan. I had a little campfire in the backyard. I streamed a concert and projected it on the back of my garage. Nice. Um, yeah, I had like a, a dreamy little... Uh, New Year's Eve, when you can't go anywhere, bring the bring the uh, bring bring the outside world to you. What were you listening to? I'm an alt country guy, you know. Okay, uh, like roots music, Americana. So uh, I was watching a Jason Isbell show live from Nashville. I don't know why oh, I nice. said Nashville. I don't say Nashville. <laughs> I was watching a Jason Isbell show live from Nashville. That was really cool. It was really good. You know, you know, paid a few bucks to be able to stream it live. You know, it's the first time in 10 months I've paid to stream like a live show, which I know like a lot of artists have been doing to to get by. So it felt good to, you know, support an artist I, I enjoy and um, and get to enjoy a concert again, even if it didn't quite feel like being there. It was uh, it was the next best thing for sure. How about you? Well, I'm currently at my parents' house right now. So I uh, my brother is in town from New York with his girlfriend. Um, so my girlfriend and I spent the, the night with, uh, my brother and his girlfriend, a little double date action. Um, so just, just drinking champagne and, and playing games with the family. Uh, nothing, it's definitely my, uh, my tamest, uh, New Year's Eve in, in a while, but, uh, <laughs> it was nice. I'm, I'm starting to, to feel like late twenties, you, you start to kind of feel the alcohol more and, and that's kind of the, the stage I'm in. See, Jovan, it is um that's not a problem if you just never <laughs> I have gotten washed in the drinking. Uh, I'm such a lightweight now. But th- this podcast has already gone off the rails. Um <laughs> uh, but Lakers defeated the Spurs on New Year's Day, 109-103 in the second set of the two-game series in San Antonio. Uh this was the first game as you and I were texting uh, about that Anthony Davis and LeBron James both went off. Uh, 34 for AD, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. 26, 11, and 10 for LeBron, his first triple-double of the year, uh, well, of the season and of the year. Um, and uh, I think the most notable thing in this game was KCP went down early in the third quarter uh, after starting the quarter amazing with kind of this 8-0 personal run, yeah. um, you know, getting out in transition, looked really good, ha- had a nice backdoor cut where Marcus Soule fed him for a dunk. Um, you know, so he was up to 11 points at that point. Uh, but he, he cuts into the lane, gets a nice pass from LeBron, and the second he plants that left ankle, uh, ends up spraining it and, and misses the game. Afterward, he, he said it should be fine, that the x-rays were negative. He is going to ice it and, um, you know, hopes to play uh, Sunday versus Memphis. But um, if KCP, I mean, you tweeted it out, he's an Iron Man. He's someone who rarely misses games. But what kind of impact would that have for the Lakers if KCP misses any time? 
Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just how much uh, perimeter defense the Lakers lost in the offseason with Danny Green and Avery Bradley departing and and what that did for KCP on this team and in terms of really the responsibility it put on him, um, as well as Alex Caruso, who's also out right now due to the health and safety protocols. So for me, my immediate thought was, you know, if you lose KCP, you know, that puts a lot on Wesley Matthews, and then you don't, and you just don't have great wing defense after that. Um, you know, all due respect to Kyle Kuzma, that's just he's just a little more intermittent there, and also spends a lot more time guarding fours. But um, you know, it seems like it's going to be a more minor thing for KCP. And you know, again, the good thing is that's five, six games into the season, so it's early enough where you know, even if KCP had to miss two weeks, and again, it doesn't seem like that's the case. You know, the Lakers have a ton of depth. Talon Horton Tucker, you know, stepped in and played pretty well, I thought, in the second half. Um, you know, it has really been a bright spot, you know, in his limited role really throughout the, you know, the restart, I guess not the restart, but the, the start to this season, including the preseason. So um, the Lakers have the depth to withstand, you know, a short-term injury to really any of their rotation players, I would say. But, um, you know, it was one of those moments where you start thinking, okay, Contavious Caldwell-Pope had this great playoffs, had an amazing finals. Um, now he is the undisputed starter. That wasn't the case last year. Remember, it was he, he only started in the playoffs because Avery Bradley was not there. And so, to me, you know, you just don't want to see a player who has been playing so well, um, really since you know the first couple of weeks of last season. You don't want to see him lose that momentum and then have to you know suddenly rehab in season and 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 whatnot. But um, you know, it looked bad. You know, the way he reacted and was grimacing on the floor. And then, um, you know, had to be carried off the floor. You always hate to see that. You like to see a player at least put some weight on the thing. Um, but he really uh, seemed, you know, post-game to be in really good spirits. Did not seem to expect that he was going to sit out. This is a player who will play through things. I think in this, you know, in this in this strange season, these strange circumstances, the Lakers are going to be somewhat more cautious with players. But at the same time, you know, if the medical staff says a player is good enough to go, he'll play. And so, I mean, you know, it sounded like if KCP misses a game, it might stop there. One game, two games, or he could play on Sunday. But it doesn't seem like something we're going to be talking about as a series changing or a season changing injury, which is a relief. And another update of note, Alex Caruso is going to miss Sunday's game. Uh, Frank Vogel said pregame he's not sure when he's going to return, if he's going to return on the road at all. Um, So if KCP does miss Sunday's game, uh, you know, the Lakers will be down their two best perimeter defenders. And uh, that is, you know, as you mentioned, THT is, is probably going to step up and, and, and play more. But, um, you know, I guess Wes Matthews would, would probably start in that case would, would be my guess. Um, but, but that is putting a lot on those two to really, um, you know, kind of produce in those minutes and, and kind of replicate that defense that, um, you know, uh, uh, KCP and, and Caruso provide. Um, the only other thing of note for me before we get into a new section that we're going to debut uh, on the post-game pod is defensively. I thought that there was some really good moments from the Lakers in this game. And um, I know, you know, this is a team they should beat. And, you know, this game was maybe closer than it should have been, although um, they were a bit shorthanded, though the Spurs were too. I want to interject here. Do you think that after this game, we can definitively say that Keldon Johnson is the best Keldon in NBA history? I would have to know who the other Keldons were, but uh, yes, I, I mean, Dude's good. He's he's really good. I'm really impressed. I uh, I play fantasy basketball, so I knew who he was because of fantasy basketball. But actually, watching him the last two games, did you get him off the waiver wire? I didn't. Um, oh, I, I I did. Great Western. Yeah, I, 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 
I messed up. Um, <laughs> I like that name. Um, uh, I also like to bill determined, but that's a, uh, that's an inside, <laughs> that's an inside joke. Um, so, <laughs> but I, I thought the Lakers defense tonight, they had several stretches that to me were their best defensive stretches of the season. And I, I know the season's young. Uh, you and I were joking, like, uh, you know, small sample size theater, like six games in, but um there have been some discouraging defensive stretches, in my opinion, and, and you know, a defense that doesn't look like it's on the same page and, and, and still looks like it has a ways to go to being the elite defense we know they can be. But this game, I, I thought, you know, th- there was some progress defensively. I, I thought they packed the paint well. Um, you know, I, I thought that w- with the Spurs targeting Marcus Sol and, and Trez at times in the pick and roll last game, the, the Lakers kind of adjusted to that by saying, okay, well, we're going to kind of load up the backside and if for whatever reason that perimeter guy gets past Trez or, or Mark, you know, we're going to have two, three help guys there. And then we're going to have to scramble out to shooters. And it did bite them a little bit. You know, the Spurs had a good three point shooting night. Uh, but I think overall, you know, the Spurs did not get to the rim as much as they did last game. And I thought that was progress and a nice defensive switch from, from Frank Vogel. Um, was there anything else from this game that you found interesting or, or are you ready to move on to the Q and a? Well, I mean, I think one thing I'll just say is, you know, a lot was made post game about uh, Anthony Davis taking six, six threes. He made four of them, which I mean, obviously you'd love to see from Anthony Davis. Um, but I think you made the point that he'd only taken two more than two twice so far this season. Um, and you and you can go through his game log from last year and find similar games. There was a game in Oklahoma City where I remember he made a ton of threes and it was la- it was last November. And there was so much thought about, you know, oh, he's just totally unlocked this portion of his game. And then he would go a few weeks where he wouldn't have a game like that or where he wouldn't attempt that many threes. And so, you know, I think it's great when he shoots those threes, but you need to see it, uh, you know, over a month, over two months. So it goes back to, like you said, small sample size theater, you know, it can be a clue. It can be a hint, but in terms of actually giving us answers about what this team is going to be, um, we're just not there yet really to any of these questions we have. So what questions do people have? We are going to be debuting now a new segment on the forum club is just going to be a, we all, does that Q&A. Have a <laughs> no, not uh, yet. Uh, uh, <laughs> We, can we get a sponsor? It's such a spicy name. Can we get a sponsor for our really originally named Q and A <laughs> Club Q and A? I don't, I don't know. Um, we we got to. We'll I think like of something. Q&A. If you if you open guys have any forum. open forum, I like that. Okay, we'll we'll go with open forum. Uh, if you guys have any other ideas, uh, feel free to you know add us on Twitter and um, let us know what you think. But. So far, I think that's the clubhouse leader. Uh, so I, I posted on Twitter, you know, if anyone has any questions for the postgame show, uh, drop it in the thread. And we got some interesting questions. The the first of which uh, was a question that a lot of people asked. Um, so I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Uh, what is a way to get Trez unlocked offensively? And, and there's multiple versions of this question, but the gist was kind of, he's been struggling a, a little bit offensively the last couple of games. Feels like he's only really scoring on offensive rebounds and, and putbacks, and um, you know, occasionally, you know, diving or cutting at an opportune time. Um, what do you think about Trez's performance offensively, and, and maybe how the Lakers can get him going with that second unit? It's a good question. I mean, you know, I don't feel like they've really been you know, utilizing him as much or just as, as consistently as you were used to seeing with the Clippers, where he was, you know, really a go-to scorer. You know, his, he has not been a guy that they've been feeding um, in the way that we were accustomed to. And I'm not sure if that's just a, a byproduct of them having, 
you know, more shooters around him. If it's, you know, Kyle Kuzma, um, you know, is a lot, gets a lot of shots in, in those lineups, not putting him in pick and roll enough. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it probably is some combination of all those things, you know, comfort in the system, which will come over time. Um, I think it's probably, you know, an amalgamation of, of, of several factors, but uh, I agree with the overall consensus that he hasn't come in and, you know, been the, the offensive Trez, at least that, you know, his, the rebounding has been great, but like, you know, offensive Trez consistently that we were used to that made him the sixth man of the year a year ago. Well, two months ago. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As we've discussed with, with, with Kuz, Trez to me is a guy who you sometimes just need to give him a post up or two to, to make him happy. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think depending on who's defending him, d- d- depending on the, the team they're playing, it might not be the most efficient play, but he is someone who I think tends to play harder uh, on both ends when he's scoring and when he he gets a bucket or two. So um, I, I do think that the Lakers haven't run many post-ups for him and it, you know, they've primarily used him as a cutter and, and as a screener. And he is one of the best, you know, screen and roll big men in the league, especially against second units. But I do think he is a guy who likes his his post ups, his ISOs. Um, we've actually seen some jumpers from him. Uh, you know, you, you've seen him taking more mid range jumpers than he yep. took with the Clippers. Uh, but I, I do think running, you know, two to three post ups, uh, a stint or or, or a half um, for him, I think would would go away and getting him involved because um, right now, clearly, you know. He, he's not really involved. And I will also say he, he's kind of struggled a bit offensively, especially in the San Antonio games where uh, he was blocked, you know, I think at least two times in both games um, and, and, you know, was kind of struggling to, to catch the ball, fumbling it a bit. So um, I, I think he, he's just still kind of figuring out the Lakers system. And I, I'm not too concerned with, with that yet. If, if there's any concerns, it's more on the defensive end than the offensive end. Sure. Um, another question uh, from, at DMX underscore biographer, uh, does the lackluster three-point defense get significantly better once AC gets back? Wes hasn't been as good as advertised there. Um, I, I think, as I mentioned with the defense tonight, they were packing the paint a little bit more. So it, it did make those closeouts a, a little bit tougher where, where they had to scramble more and it was harder to get out to shooters. Um, so I, I think that might be a personnel thing where uh, they, they just were kind of daring the Spurs to shoot more threes and um, kind of knew that th- their preference is to get to the rim and, and get out and transition and stuff. So I think tonight that was more of a scheme thing. Uh, but the three-point defense has been a little concerning at times um, and just the rotations overall. So I, I do think you know Alex definitely helps that. He, I think he's their, their best or second best perimeter defender depending on the matchup. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Wes has not... As we discussed with Wes, he has not played to the level that I think the Lakers expected yet. But um, he's also another guy who's a veteran guy, early 30s. Like it's going to take him, I think, a few weeks to get his legs under him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, listen, if you take Alex Crusoe off this team, you lose 
uh, you know, you lose a lot just of glue type um, contributions, but, you know, his perimeter defense, his, his off ball defense, you know, just gets, you know, so much, you know, is such a, v- a valuable piece of what this team was defensively a year ago. Um, you know, that's obviously something they're missing, but like, again, this is all, you know, short, these are short term problems, you know, until we, until we can identify that this is actually something that is, is, you know, an Achilles heel of this team. I'm just, I just can't get too worked up about any of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think we, we need a larger sample size with this team, especially because there's so many new pieces on, on both ends and, and not, you know, it's not a situation where like, I, I think guys like Wes, um, like I think Wes is a plug and play guy where he's going to shoot, you know, he's going to take his open threes. He's going to play hard defense. Like right now to me, it's more of just a, a, you know, timing legs thing for him. Um, guys like Trez though, and, and Mark and Dennis, like those guys are big offensive pieces that are still figuring their role out. Uh, so I, I think judging some of those guys prematurely, like we need a 15, 20 game sample uh, to, to really yeah. start to fully evaluate it. Um, the next question from Harry Howard uh, at HHJR79, is the starting lineup creating enough of an advantage so far, or does it need tinkering? If so, what are the other options? Uh, so this was something we discussed earlier in the week on our, our weekly show, uh, potentially tweaking, you know, do you bring Dennis off the bench? Do you bring Mark off the bench? I mean, I think those are the only two options. Uh, I think the other three spots are, are pretty, you know, cemented. Um, bring LeBron off the bench when six man. Um, but w- w- where are you at now? Uh, w- with again, caveat, small sample. We're still kind of learning this team. Uh, but where are you at w- with Dennis and Mark's fit with the starting lineup and and how that starting group has looked? I think it's been pretty good. I mean, I think they were, you know, I think they were up three when LeBron checked out. You know, and it was it was not a great start tonight. But I mean, they've had better starts in in some of these other games. Um, you know, to me, it was it was. Um, you know, I think this is their most potent starting unit. Like, I understand this is not necessarily going to be their closing group, but in terms of, you know, being able to, you know, get the ball moving early, you know, you have four playmakers on the floor. Um, you, you know, you have, you have great cutting, you have good shooting. Um, to me, it's a, t- it's a unit that can still really set a tone. And then I think Frank Vogel's doing all the right things. He's getting Gasol off the floor pretty early. He's letting Schroeder stay in for the entire first quarter to, to you know, play with AD and Montrez Harrell. Um, you know, I think that, I think that right now, you know, I, am fine with leaving it the way it is. What we've talked about is, you know, trying to get truer, more minutes with the second unit. Um, you know, if you let him have the title of, of starter, but maybe you take him off a little earlier and then bring him back to play, you know, maybe the, the end of the second, the, the first, the first quarter, and then, you know, into the second quarter with Harold and some of those guys. Um, but you know, to me, this is still, you know, I, I think this is the, the lineup that the Lakers, kind of dreamed of where you have a a ball handler who can who can play off the ball a little bit too I just don't think we've seen that as much as we thought we would like I don't think we've seen Schroeder off the ball as much as Frank indicated we would um Mm -hmm. coming into the season you know I think I think when Schroeder's been in the game he's typically had the ball in his hands um even with LeBron on the floor I know I I agree and I, I thought um something interesting that that LeBron said post game was that uh, they need to get Marcus sold the ball more and they need to not necessarily run more pick and roll with him as a, a screener, but, but just get him the ball more in the high post, you know, above the arc and, and run cutters off of him. I, you know, I, I wrote about it um, after LeBron's birthday, like uh, you know, the synergy numbers on LeBron and, 
it, it is early, but he is cutting more th- than he did last season. And I think you've seen that in part because of Marcus Gasol's passing. And, and you know, th- those two have connected on, um, you know, two or three nice cuts to, to start the season where, you know, LeBron back cuts someone and, and gets a dunk or, or he gets free throws. So, uh, you know, I, I think as we, we talked about earlier in the week, like if you're going to put Marcus Gasol in that lineup, you do need to feed him the ball and, and obviously not necessarily to, to take shots, but he's such a gifted passer. You know, he, he's clearly the second best passer on the team uh, be, behind LeBron. Uh, so, you know, it kind of feels like sometimes he's being neutered a little bit where, you know, they're just putting him in the corner. Um, he's the trail guy a lot and just not really touching the ball. And, you know, I, I think Marcus Gasol, if you're comparing him to JaVale or Dwight, like the upgrade is on the offensive end, not necessarily on the defensive end. Um, so if you're not going to use him in that way, then I think it's kind of a waste of, of Gasol's talent. So I think that's something they're going to have to figure out. Um, let's get to a couple more questions and then wrap up. Um, from Shervan Fakimi, I don't, I probably butchered that. I, I apologize. Um, what's it going to take for THT to get consistent run? Because he seems ready now on both ends, probably would take Wes's minutes. Um, well, <laughs> he might get consistent run now. Uh, he played 14 minutes tonight. And if, you know, with Caruso out and KCP, you know, potentially out or unlimited minutes uh, on Sunday, you could see THT maybe get 15, 20 minutes. Um, but but w- what have you thought about THT's game? And, and, you know, do you think he is ready to usurp Wes or, or someone else in the rotation? I mean, listen, I understand why fans want this. I understand why it's, you know, it's exciting. There's not a lot of variables with this team. For the most part, you know, who's going to play, you know, there's not a lot of intriguing players down the roster. Um, you know, like, you know, over the last eight years, you had a lot of, you know, second round picks that you wanted to see get out there and you wanted to see if they could be players. And it's very clear at this point that THT is going to be a player and is a player right now, but you're not going to see in the NBA where a coach is going to strip a veteran of Wesley Matthews caliber of his role in the rotation six games into the season because he's had a slow start to give them those minutes to a 20 year old with upside. It just isn't going to happen. So, so it's obvious that Frank is trying to find minutes for THT anywhere he can. He's getting him out there. He's getting him out there in high leverage situations, I think. But the reality is that with the makeup of this roster, with, with a healthy roster, THT is still going to be the 11th or 12th guy. And that's okay because he is 20. Um, and he's going to get his opportunities. There will be injuries. There will be nights that guys are out. But if you're looking for him to get a 20-minute a night roll – it's not going to happen probably this season, but um, certainly not without Wesley Matthews getting every single opportunity there is to to find his footing and to you know be the player the Lakers anticipated. Because remember, they didn't sign him to the minimum, the veterans minimum. It wasn't like you know he came crawling to the Lakers and they said, "Okay, we'll sign you." He was the first guy they they targeted on on the first night of free agency. They expect him to play a big role on this team, so they're not they're not just going to bench him for twenty year old THT because. Um, one of them is playing slightly better than the other right now. Um, it, it's just, it's going to be a longer process than that. And listen, I'm not ruling out the possibility that Wesley Matthews um, is going to lose his role to THD. It could happen, but it's not going to happen until much later in the season, if it happens at all. And the other thing with that is I'm not even sure if it makes sense to, to bench Wes for THT in, in the context of they're so different skill set wise where if you're looking at THT's weaknesses right now, 
it's his three point shooting and his defense, right? Like, you know, offensively, we, we've seen him. He, he can handle the ball. He, he can play make. He can get to the rim. He even has a little bit of that, that mid range jumper, but he's not a good three point shooter right now. And defensively, he, he has a tendency to foul a lot. Um, you know, he, he can get blown by. So, like, those are the two areas of his game that he's still working on. And, and those are the two strengths of Wes Matthews' game. Like, he's a, th- you know, he's the prototypical three and D role player. Um, so, just when looking at kind of what each guy brings, I don't even know necessarily if, if that's, you know, kind of fair to like West brings something com- entirely different. Yeah. If you're going to take someone's minutes, it, it might be Caruso. It, it might be yeah. uh, Kuzma, you know, and, and maybe playing a little bit smaller with the second unit um, because we know, we know Kuzma plays so much in that second group with LeBron and Keith and uh, Caruso and, and Matthews. So I think that's maybe where you see, two to five minutes shaved off some of those guys. But really with, with Wes, with what Wes brings, I don't see how THT is like, that's good. Point. You know, it, it's just different roles. But last question here uh, from our friend, Mo DeKeel, Mo DeKeel underscore MBA. Who has better hair between you and Bill Orem? Um, I mean, listen, like I could sit here and like, and like, and tell you why my hair is like secretly like, actually better than like the reason i wear hats all the time is is to to really protect everyone else from how <laughs> from how gorgeous my locks are but i'm listening you I'm do not, have good hair i mean i like I, your hair i have a lot of it i have very thick hair i can't tell you how many times i whenever i get my hair cut by someone like someone new um which isn't the case which isn't often anymore i've got a reliable guy i've got bruce 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 the barber and shout out Bruce and, Bruce and Bruce Bruce uh, takes good care of me at least in normal years so um but I think it's just I mean listen it would be a waste of everyone's time to sit here and pretend I, that I have better hair than you you have the best hair in the NBA you and Myers Leonard and Zach Collins have the best <laughs> hair in the NBA and did I leave someone out did I leave one of your doppelgangers out well it, it's basically every like white NBA player I've gotten uh Tyler Hero Duncan Robinson uh it's yeah it's just but i i think zach collins is the one that that's closest whereas i'm whereas i'm more of a a a Jokic. uh uh (laughs) so i will say you you beat me in the in the facial hair for sure i i i'm incapable of growing facial hair so uh that that is no competition you know what this is this is this is an interesting point we might have of all the nba beats beat writing beat writing groups in the nba we might have um, the three writers least capable of growing facial hair because there's you. Like, what happens if you grow it out? Like, do you get a few strands, or can you like could over time could Oof. you grow something? Do you get patches? Do you get- no, I, I I literally don't have. I I only grow a little bit of hair on my mustache and on my chin, and it's like probably. 20 hairs in each spot and I not nothing on sideburns nothing on my my cheeks uh jaw nothing so okay so yeah, you you share, you share this with um with Kyle Goon who can't grow facial hair and and Wiki Wiki cannot grow facial hair either uh, Dan Wiki from the LA Times like he gets like a little peach fuzz upper lip and that's it so i mean i, I can't imagine i mean uh, you know obviously you know there are exceptions um but like of 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 men who you would who on on the NBA beat, I think we might have the three least capable of growing facial hair. And then there's you and Dave on the opposite side of right. the spectrum. Right, right. 
Um, and this is why you listen to the end of the post game <laughs> episodes because you don't know when the conversations are going to devolve into this. <laughs> we we covered a lot tonight. This this was uh this is definitely my favorite forum club pod of the like five I've done now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, can you get us out of here, please? Let's get out of here. Hope you all had a happy and safe New Year. Hope you got to spend it with with some of your loved ones for those who are able to. Um, we th- appreciate you guys listening into this madness of a podcast and we will be back on uh, Monday morning after Sunday's game against Memphis. Talk to you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.